Blessings Church, hope you had an awesome Christmas. We are rolling into the first weekend of a brand new year. Did you have a great week? Did you have a great Christmas? We had awesome Christmas Eve services. Christmas Day here in the sanctuary, wow. Y'all showed up, the house was full, it was amazing. And look what I got for Christmas. Brand new hoodie, Horizon Church hoodie. Pick yours up if you haven't got one yet. Go into the new year uh, looking, looking handsome. Um, you know what else I got for Christmas? I thought I dodged this bullet for three years. All the services in the house, backfield, in the courtyard. I got COVID for Christmas. That's right, I tested positive. And so I'm over at my friend Dave's house. They're out in the desert and uh, here in his orchard, here in his vineyard, one of my dearest friends in all the world. And um, I wanna just share with you from a safe distance, giving you a big air hug. Gonna be back next weekend. Not gonna let this get me down. Wanna share with you some of the last words of David. And it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now these aren't the absolute last words because he doesn't get around to dying until the next book of the Bible and a couple of chapters in. But what he shares with us here is prophetic. And I think the way that it ties in even to our setting here in this gorgeous backyard, in this vineyard, in this orchard, um, just beautifully knits together uh, what Jesus also shares with us. And I want to connect the dots with you on that just for a few moments. So if you have a Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 23, ushers are there serving you. And if you need a Bible, just flag them down. Be happy to share a copy of God's Word with you. And look at this, look at this little passage with me. Uh, I, no coincidence at all. We're going into 2023. Here it's the 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel. And uh, these are some of, of, of David's last words. Hear from my friend David's house. Hear the words of David. And um, Lord, we just pray. We pray your, your blessing, your, your, your healing, your favor on this message, on communion that will follow, and uh, on the whole year ahead, Lord. We thank you for all that you've brought us through. And uh, Lord, how faithful you are. And we just, uh, we look to you and pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us now, even in these few moments that we'll have together. And even though I don't have a wardrobe to pop out of here on stage, uh, Lord, we thank you for that amazing Christmas series that you blessed us with. And just ask Holy Spirit that you would, you would come out of these screens and into these hearts uh, you'd bless your church and you'd speak to your people now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. These are the last words of David. 2 Samuel 23, look at verse 1. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. That's beautiful how he describes himself. And then he says this even better. Verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and, the, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, 
the rock of Israel, spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. This is the last thing he says. And certainly David also in in his life, in his career, in, in, in his personal life, in his marriage, in his family, uh, he's been up against it. He, he has faced some giants. He has seen some sufficient challenges. But I think even in the face of all that, look, look, look where he turns. Look who he trusts. Look where he leans. And I think in doing so gives us a message for our world, gives us a message for our nation. He gives to us a message for our state. He gives to us a message for our church. And he gives to us a message for our own homes. He says, he who's going to rule, he who's going to rule needs to rule in the fear of God. And when he does, look at verse 4. Look at the promise, the prophetic promise that he gives to us. He will be like the light in the morning when the sun rises. Or when the sun comes up and hits this beautiful yard, hits, hits this orchard, hits the branches of these fruit-bearing trees, when it hits these vineyards that are behind me. I mean, it's just spectacular. When, when, when we rule like this, when we let God be God, when, 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 we, when we give Him the awesome respect that is due His name, when we put Him first, we'll be like the light of the morning, the first morning light, when the sun rises. Can't read that without thinking of Easter Sunday. It's gonna be, it's gonna be magnificent for us in 2023. Just claiming that together and believing that God, if we're still here, if the Lord should tarry, if not, it's gonna be even better, Easter in heaven, come on church. Look, he says, when, when, when we are ruling with the proper perspective on authority that it's, it's really the Lord, then we're going to be able to break through the clouds. We're going to be able to overcome. We're going to be like the sun that shatters the night, that shatters the darkness, like the rays of morning sun first seen. Like a morning, it says, without clouds. Look at this. Like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. Isn't that beautiful? It's gorgeous. And um, I just speak that over your life this weekend. That that's what the Lord desires to see in, in all of us. And then David gets really candid. He gets honest. He gets vulnerable here. He gets pretty transparent in verse 5. He says, although my house is not so with God. He's got some challenges. He's got friction. He's got hurdles. He's got difficulties. He says, although my house is not so with God, yet, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant. Isn't that awesome? That, that sometimes our orchard feels dormant. Sometimes it feels barren. Sometimes we feel fruitless. Sometimes we get pounded. Sometimes 
the world seems to be getting the best of us instead of the Lord getting the best of us. And David says, man, as much as God is declaring to me his word and the promises that then are fulfilled when there's that right priority and connection with him, he says, it's not always the case in my house, but yet he never gives up on me. The orchard might be filled with rocks, might be filled with weeds, it might be filled with thorns, it might be filled with bugs, and yet David says that God promises, I will see to it that it becomes fruitful. I will see to it that it will bear abiding fruit, and fruit that remains is the promise of the Lord. He goes, sometimes my house is a mess. Sometimes unexpected, you end up getting a sad, you know, went into scripts and was getting pre-tested for some procedures that were forthcoming in my life. And they're like, oh, putting the brakes on that. You've, you've tested positive. What? I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. No. And David feels like sometimes and speaks on behalf of all of us. Sometimes life just sucks you. And yet the Lord never gives up on us. He's made with us an everlasting covenant. Look at, look at, look at. Ordered in all things. We can just trust him. We can just like that piece of fruit on the tree behind me, we can just chill and abide and relax in him and know that he's got things ordered in accordance with his perfect will, in accordance with his perfect time, ordered in all things and secure. How good is that? How good is order in all things compared to disorder in all things? How good is security, secure, ordered in all things and secure. I mean, how good is that compared to disorder and insecurity? That's, that's your other option. And, and, and David's like, even when the house is topsy-turvy, even when the prognosis isn't as expected, even when things that should be up or down and down is up, the Lord has made an everlasting covenant and he promises an order in all things, all things, church, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths with an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and secure for this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? What a, what a promise. What an insight. What a prophetic word that David gives us. These very, listen, these last words of David and what beautiful words they are. What beautiful words they are to be the last words of 2022. And the first words of promise that we by faith venture into a new year with, 2023. 
And you're like, I'm not buying it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going for it. And that's what he talks about next, just for a few verses. Look at verse six. But the sons of rebellion, the stubborn ones, the ones that aren't going to yield, that are just going to do things their own way instead of putting the Lord first in their life. The sons of rebellion shall be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. The man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they will utterly be burned with fire in their place. You know what's interesting? This is echoing exactly what Jesus talks about in John chapter 15. Turn there with me, if you would, for a second. Up into the New Testament we go, and, and uh, Jesus delivers these amazing words uh, prior to his arrest. You, you know what's fascinating? This, this anchor, this, this designer, this gardener, if you will, the one to whom David is declaring deserves all honor and all glory, this, this creator God who has made man, who has made you and me in his own image, establishes man in a, in a garden. Just think about it for a second. As we, in this beautiful setting, find ourselves surrounded in the beauty of this orchard and garden and vineyard that God would also establish his creation in a garden and everything was perfect and he set up one simple rule for man in that place of paradise in that garden to not eat of that one tree that was the rule And in the center of the garden, he placed that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat it. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin the relationship. And we all know how that went. And ultimately then the gardener, the creator, the author, the designer, has to set up a safeguard in place so that they would not once again end up venturing back in. He sews them clothes and sets a guard with a flaming sword at the entrance to that garden. And they are separated then from the perfect will and design of the gardener because of the consequences of their choice, because of their sin. And you fast forward that now here up to John 15 as we've celebrated Christmas together that, that God, this gardener, this designer, this author, this creator would then sovereignly send his son down from heaven's lofty heights into our contaminated soil, into all of the thorns and, and, and weeds of the vineyard, to a fallen planet, to then climb up upon a tree called Calvary to solve successfully the sinful situation that was created because of the disobedience around that first tree, 
and the scene, the setting of his literal arrest upon being hung on that tree is in a garden. Is this fascinating to anyone else? It's in a garden. And he says in John 15, I am the true vine and my father, the gardener, the designer, the author, the creator, he, the, my father is the vine dresser and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's the last words of David. The ones that aren't going to bear fruit, that aren't going to honor the Lord, that aren't going to go along with his sovereign plan of providence and blessing, those sons of rebellion are the ones that David has experienced and, and now speaks of, and here Jesus does as well. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Abide in me. I just wanted to speak that into your life, especially from this, this beautiful setting, from this context, from this vineyard. Abide in me and I in you. And just claim that. Claim that togetherness as we venture forward together into this new year, abiding in the Lord, attached to Him. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, come on, you can do nothing. Don't make it a year of nothing. Don't, don't make it a year of unproductivity. Make it a year of blessing. I, I invite you to step into this brand new year, to believe God for some really great things this year, to believe together that, that, that the season of pruning is over. How's that? A season of of cultivation, of, of, of pruning, of all that's gone on in these last three years. And I did, honestly, I'll be straight up with you. I thought I dodged this bullet for three years. I thought, oh, for sure, I'm gonna come down with this thing. I never did, never got it once. And now when it's pretty much tucked in the rear view mirror, ah. So here you have a brand new slate, a brand new privilege set before you. What are you going to do with it? And here the Lord says, do this with it. Abide in me. Trust me with it. Watch what I can do. I'm the vine, you're the branch. He who abides in me, you're going to bear much fruit. You're going to bear much fruit this year. For without me, fruitlessness. Without me, no productivity. But with me, this isn't like a, a this isn't like a, a, a message of of you know what I think it is? I think it's a promise of produce. That's what he's getting at here. 
you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it'll be done. That's not name it and claim it. That's not prosperity doctrine. That's the promise of produce. Remember again what David says? Ordered in all things. So beats disorder. And secure. So beats so beats insecurity. And so he, he makes this promise. But one thing I want to show you before we celebrate communion, we'll do that in a unique way, in a special way this weekend. But turn back with me to Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah 11 with me real fast. Because there's something that shows up throughout Scripture that here Jesus is alluding to in John chapter 15, but something incredibly miraculous that I just want to show you real fast that is the fulfillment of everything that now he invites you into as he says, hey, let's just, let's get connected and you, you abide in me and I'll abide in you and uh, it's a perfect fit and apart from me, nothing fits, nothing works, nothing's, nothing's gonna eternally of significance matter or last, but with me, it all does. But it's the fulfillment, really, again, of, of what is sprung out of David's lineage. It says in Isaiah 11. Look at Isaiah 11 with me. You got it? Say, got it? Okay. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch, capital B, capital branch, not just any branch, a branch shall grow out of his roots. Then it says this, look at verse two, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is the passage where Israel gets its picture of the menorah, that seven-stemmed candlestick sitting on the communion table. It was the light in the tabernacle. And for each one of those seven-fold branches of the menorah, it represented the Spirit of the Lord that would rest upon them. And then the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear, respect. But it talks about this branch and, and how fascinating that this, this, this author, this designer, this gardener, this vine dresser, this creator, God himself, becomes for us the vine, the vine, the, the attachment, the, the, the life, the bridge that brings us into fellowship with the one who loves us the most, the one who created us. The, the, the author, the designer becomes the vine himself and the vine himself becomes the branch. He becomes one of us. He empties himself, he humbles himself, he, he, he reduces himself, and now this branch, this branch in Isaiah chapter 11 is filled with the Spirit of the Lord, filled with the, 
spirit of wisdom, filled with spirit of understanding, filled with the spirit of counsel and, and might. This branch. From the roots of the lineage of Jesse. Who's that? That's David's dad. And, and uh, ultimately, I just, I just want to show you something about this branch in Scripture. And maybe you've never seen before. But hang with me for a second. Just track with me. Turn over to Jeremiah 23. And, and watch how this develops with just four really quick but super cool points about this branch. And we'll wrap a bow on all of that and, and uh, celebrate the new year by, by receiving communion. In Jeremiah chapter 23, look what happens. In Jeremiah 23, the same thing gets mentioned again. It says in verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, and I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. And this, will, this is his name by which he is called, the Lord our righteousness. So there's no question who we're talking about here. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's called the branch. And here, more specifically, the branch, according to Jeremiah 23, is called a king. The branch in Jeremiah 23 is a king. Take note of that. And, and turn with me over to Zechariah, towards the end of your Old Testament, you find this little teeny book of Zechariah, and in chapter 3, this branch is mentioned again. In Zechariah chapter 3, it says, verse 6, the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua and said, if you walk in my ways, if you keep my command, then you will judge my house and likewise have charge over my courts, and I will give you a place to walk among those who stand here. So here, O oh Joshua, this isn't the same Joshua back in the days of Moses that led the people into the promised land. This is a, a high priest named Joshua. Joshua, verse 8, the high priest. You see that? For you and your companions who sit before you, they are a wondrous sign. For behold, look at this, behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. Now there's a few words in scripture that when they're given to us in scripture, they are given to us in all caps. Here's one of those examples. Another example we looked at in a recent series, you remember? When we were talking through the headlines of how God himself declares himself and desires himself to be known, Yahweh is always capitalized. Y-H-W-H. Whenever it's the Lord in all caps, it's Yahweh. And here, look at it with me. Branch is in all caps. But the branch here isn't a king anymore. Note with me. The branch here in all caps has become the servant. The servant. So you have the branch who's a king, Jeremiah 23. You have a branch who's a servant, Zechariah chapter 3. Look at Zechariah 6. 
Isn't this fun? I just love digging into scripture with you guys. You're awesome. And uh, indulge me for a moment. Look what he says here in Zechariah 6. In the word of the Lord, this is verse 9, came to me saying, receive the gift from the captives. And he goes through the list of their names. And then in verse 12, he says, behold, the man whose name is the branch. From his place, he shall branch out. And he will build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he will build the temple of the Lord and he will bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. Again, no question who we're talking about here. He will be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. So branch again pops off the page, doesn't it? For you and I, why? All caps. But in all caps now, the branch is described not only as a king in Jeremiah, not only as a servant in Zechariah 3, but now as a man. Look at, behold the man whose name is the branch. And then lastly, go back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 4. In Isaiah chapter 4, this branch is mentioned one last time. And it says in Isaiah chapter 4, In that day, verse 2, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing and those of Israel who have escaped. Wow. This is amazing. You have a, a, a God who sees the wheels come off in the garden of Eden. This gardener, this vine dresser, who sees sin separate the relationship and fellowship and, 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 and meaning of ministry that life was supposed to be filled with to all of its glory, ordered and secure. He sees the wheels fly off and yet sends his son, the branch, to become one of us and then says, attach your life to mine for I am both a branch who's a king, a branch who's a servant, a branch who is a man, and a branch who is the Lord. The branch of the Lord, Isaiah declares, shall be beautiful and glorious. You know what? Uh, we're venturing into part two of our series through the gospel uh, in our midweeks, in our men's studies, in our women's studies. Can't wait for that to resume. Hope you'll pick up your, your, your booklet for that. Going to be uh, available just around the corner for you in the bookshop. And you can pick that up over the course of the next couple of weeks. And here's what we've realized in our study of the Gospels. Matthew presents Jesus Christ, the branch, as what? How does Matthew roll out and present Jesus Christ to his audience? As the king. He presents the branch as the king. Mark, in his presentation of the branch, presents Jesus Christ as the servant. Luke, in his gospel, presents the branch, Jesus Christ, as a man. And John, in his presentation of the gospel, of the branch, declares Jesus, the king in Matthew's gospel, 
the servant in Mark's gospel, the man in Luke's gospel, to be the son of God in his own gospel. What, what, a, what a beautiful, fulfilling, complete picture of who God has sent Jesus Christ, the branch, into this world to then say to us, connect yourself with me. I'm the vine and you're the branch. He, he becomes our big branch. And the only one that's connected to the Father that can literally accomplish anything that's worthwhile in and through our lives. And so I just pray that you would receive this prophecy of David this weekend. And that you would believe with me that whatever season you've been through in these last years, that a season of pruning and of cultivation, of, of preparing the soil has, has, has taken place. There's been a tilling, certainly, that's gone on, and the soil is ready. And the sting of, of winter is, is lifting. We, we, we saw the curse of, of, of Narnia's winter lifted as Aslan defeated the old witch in our Christmas series. And I pray that you would be ready for a year of fruitfulness, church, that you'd be ready for a year of growth in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that it would be for us a season of fruitfulness. And I can't think of a better way for us to start this new year but by inviting you to take a step of faith, to step into this new year. And so instead of inviting the men of our church to come and serve you where you're sitting in the sanctuary, I'm, I'm inviting you to take a step forward as we, by faith, step into this new year, this new year of fruitfulness because of God's faithfulness. I, I, I invite you as the band comes and joins me up here on the stage, and this song that they're going to sing, I don't think it could be more appropriate. I pray that the song that they sing would become your prayer for this year ahead. Lord, send me into it. Send me into it to serve you that even before you ask me, my answer to you is yes and amen. I am all in. I'm going to abide in you. And so our tables have been set all across the front of the stage for you to step out of your row, to come forward and to receive this blessing from the Lord, this prophetic word of David, his last words over our lives, that the Lord has plans for you this year to order things rather than to allow things to spin crazily in disorder, to secure you to him as you abide in Christ and Christ abides in you. Make this a year of abiding a year of receiving and a year of committing ourselves to the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll see you back next weekend as we continue to unfold some great mysteries and promises and, and um, stories that are connected to this number 23 that I don't think you're going to want to miss. And so, Lord, I just ask your favor and power and healing and blessing upon your bride, on your church as they step forward to receive from your table uh, in a reminder of obedience, Lord, that as we put you first, 
you promise to go before us and you will prepare the way and you will accomplish your will. And so Lord, bless each piece of bread that represents your body and each cup of juice and each willing participant that is here today desiring to put you first in their life. May they abide in you deeper and more fully than they ever have before. And we give you all the praise for that and all the glory and declare 2023 as the year of our Lord in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.